And we're back on another exciting episode of Starving Sleep Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion, conversation uh, about Star Trek. And today we're talking about Star Trek Discoveries, the war within, the war without. And I'm so pleased to be joined by Nick and Rob. Nick from The Real Ketwalski or Ketwalski channel on YouTube and Rob from The Trek Book Club and also Trekkie Rob on, on Twitter. So hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a, a minute <laughs> and a half. <laughs> um, so uh, we're kind of all on slight time crunches, so I'm just going to say let's just go through it. Um, do either one of you guys want to give the episode summary? Um, <laughs> oh, I'll hand sure, over to you. I can, yeah, I can do it. Um, yeah, I only, do it. I only watched the episode <laughs> once, so you guys jump in if I if I miss a part. Um, so okay. feel free. But sounds, uh, sounds good. So uh, the episode takes place obviously directly after uh, the Discovery returns. Um, they have jumped nine months into the continuation of the Klingon War. Um. It's also kind of discovered that uh, the appearance of Emperor Giorgio is being kept kind of a secret, even aboard the Discovery. That kind of happens like immediately in the beginning of the episode. Um, it also is revealed that Ash Tyler's surgery seemed to have has gone successfully, and they have removed, supposedly removed, the Vok personality. Um, but at the beginning of the episode, there's a lot of tension between uh, Burnham and, and Ash Tyler. They, they refuse to actually link up until much later in the episode. Um, then we get confronted with uh, Sarek and Admiral... Oh, God, what is her name? Cornwell. 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 There we go. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Admiral Cornwell, they beam aboard the Discovery, um, and uh, they verify that they are in fact who they are and they kind of make some plans to try and save the federation because at this point the federation is lost i believe they said 20 percent of their yeah 20 percent of their former territory which when you look at the map that they keep using yeah. i know i'm going off tangent right now the map <laughs> makes it look okay. like it's way more than 20 percent yeah. but anyway <laughs> <all right. laughs> um, so they come up with some plans this was this so essentially this was a very character heavy episode this was setting up the finale. Um, they come up with some plans. They spend a lot of time discussing different ideas. Um, there's a beautiful character moment uh, between Sarek and Emperor Giorgio discussing uh, Michael Burnham. Um, there's some really great interactions between Michael Burnham and Emperor Giorgio as they continue to try to formulate plans. Because essentially, the Klingons are uh, what they reveal in the episode is that all 24 houses are battling with each other. Uh, by utilizing the Federation as fodder um, and, and basically bragging rights. Um, one of the things that they really touched on in the episode that they talk about, which was they're using suicide attack runs with cloaked vessels and all this other stuff like that. So essentially the Federation is at a loss. All their tactics are not working and they are in desperate need of assistance. And where they get that assistance is in a, in a, in a dire need of desperation, they turn to the Emperor Giorgio. <laughs> they have there and she provides some insight as to how it is she tamed the Klingons in the mirror universe um, but leaves out some very key details which we're still not 100% clear on what those details are but I have some speculations as to what that is 
Um, and Starfleet eventually does approve of the plan, uh, but essentially the Discovery is going to be jumping inside of the planet of Kronos to map out uh, key military structures for an orbital bombardment uh, in an attempt to put the, de the Klingons on the defensive. Um, and they kind of basically get set up for that. And at the end of the episode, uh, we get two big moments. We have the pseudo-reconciliation of Ash Tyler and Burnham, where essentially um, they, they're saying kind of goodbye, but at the same time, I think we all kind of know that they're going to rekindle that love later, but that's, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then we also get the reveal of now back from the dead Captain Giorgio, who takes her position as captain of the USS Discovery just prior to them jumping to Kronos. So Very great. <laughs> well done. That was a much more succinct than than I <laughs> I would have done. Well, because you know, there's not a lot that happened. It was just a lot no, of talking. Dude, like, a, a lot, lot of talking. Lost, yeah. Um I I am gonna disagree with you on something you said in the summary though. I don't think they're gonna get back together. I think it's it, my prediction is that it's it's totally gonna to be um over and um Maybe that's just because I feel like Burnham and I'm like, you tried to fucking kill me. <laughs> You're like, right, right. But who knows? So, I don't know. Maybe she can come back from that. I hope that they don't. Let me just preface <laughs> maybe phrase what I said. I hope that they don't uh, get back together. But I do feel like the show being heavy on the drama for personal relationships, good. they're not going to be able to resist. They're going to have. It's going to happen. They will not be able to resist it. So that's that's what I that's just me putting forth my projection <laughs> onto the writers that I just feel like that's where we're going to head to. So. Well, maybe maybe they could have um, Tyler sacrificing himself, you know, as an act of uh, redemption type of thing. There's something that happens in, in the final episode, or even in season two, perhaps, perhaps he could. Yeah, that would be great. And see, that would be good. That would be then, good. Yeah, then she can kind of I guess there's some kind of reconciliation there, but but also the relationship wouldn't carry on because he wouldn't be around. <laughs> right, right. But I, I I return back to them. So if they kill him off, then they have to wait at least two more seasons before they can give her another love interest. <laughs> you know, Why? Why? But it sounds like Burnham has a lot of a. Uh, dating to do to catch up to everyone else so she does. I she, needs, she, needs, she needs her wild college years she needs to go back she really does I'm all for a, 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 a seasonal love interest <laughs> um, in that we don't even get that with any I mean that would be at least a little bit more um, drawn out than Riker, who has like about seven love interests a season, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we need something a bit more graphic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about some things that I really liked in this episode before I really get into the things that I really didn't like. And for the record, I did not like this episode. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I. I, but, uh, I, I will say that I love this episode, so this will be an interesting. <laughs> I, I, I recognize that I'm against the grain here. Uh, a lot of people are <laughs> the best episode ever, but I, I just, I respectfully disagree. But we'll get into that. But awesome, uh, awesome. I absolutely loved, uh, and I am continuing to love because she started in a couple episodes ago. But this episode really peaked it for me. 
the uh, character of Tilly. Yeah, her actions in this episode were fantastic, and I, I I got engaged in a little bit of a Twitter conversation where somebody was like, "Well, she just doesn't understand relationships, and it was wrong for her to pressure Burnham into trying to reconcile or deal with Ash Tyler." And I I disagreed with that completely. I think that her desire was for closure and healing and moving forward, which is really what the crew needs right now. Because you got to think, there's open wounds of Culber dying. There's open wounds of, of missing nine months of the war and a lot of their friends and family are dead. There's open wounds of Captain Lorca being, uh, uh, you know, betraying all of them. And there's the open wound of Ash Tyler being a Klingon. And her actions to, uh, during, the, during the little uh, time when they were in the mess hall was just quintessential Trek. Like, she's embodying... The Federation's values, literally, and I thought that was just great, beautifully done, well executed. It wasn't too hammy, it wasn't too cheesy. It was really well done. That that she is really showing off, and it's ironic that she's a cadet and she's right. not even a member of Starfleet officially yet. But uh, I just thought that was great. I really love that. I, I don't know how you guys felt about that, but I really love that that part of the episode. It, it was yeah, it was a great scene. It's really good. And and if I may, if I may. Um offer a personal note uh deeply personal note like that scene affected me more than any scene so far on star trek discovery and i really like i started to like ball up and not like you know not like floodgates but i was like and, and the scene i'm talking about is in in the mess hall where tilly you know sits and, and talks to um uh tyler and just everything about that moment include like uh when he's like i'm okay and she's like how could that possibly be like it's yeah. just i mean everything that she says right. in that scene it's like so on point uh really it's, good <laughs> specifically what what you just said that when she says like how can that possibly be true when he says i'm fine um you know she doesn't she just allows it you know him to just you know she just sits there with him on office, some sort of, you know, just someone to be there for support. Um, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't judge him. She just, yeah, is there for him, which is. And Nick, is you really totally good. like illustrated. Um, like I think Sarek says it in the episode too. It's like what the crew has been through is really unfathomable. It's like a really deep, like, thing. Like, there's just so much. Uh, I, I have to say, like, <laughs> you know, you don't realize it because you're like. That you're watching it as a show but when you think of it like from if you go in world for a moment and you think what would it be like to go through that you're you you can't deny that it's it's a it's an insane thing to have to go through like what they've gone through basically all the death but not just that like the mind-bending idea of a whole new uh universe and like you know and that was another point that i thought the show nailed really well i would like you to continue with your with your points but um Maybe you'll touch on the what their solution is to do with the knowledge of the mirror universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so the reason why this episode doesn't work for me is several is, is there was I don't like the fact that they're saying like they're implying that the Federation is is basically on the brink of extinction and that everything's lost and they're desperate and they don't know what to do but then in the same breath they say well we've only lost 20 percent of our space okay i understand that and then they say well the klingons are actually in the back door of the of earth okay 
which doesn't make any sense. And then they're saying that they've lost, I think they said two-thirds of their fleet or one-third of their fleet, something like that. Which again, like it's just inconsistent for me. Like the the level of peril is inconsistent. They're saying, "Well, we've lost all these people, we've lost all these ships, but we've only lost twenty percent." And actually, it doesn't seem so bad because at this point, like the way that everything is going, you know, where's the USS Enterprise? The Enterprise isn't going to be off doing a five-year mission under Robert April or Pike or whoever the hell is in charge of it right now. They're going to be recalled to defend Earth. The Constitution class vessel is one of the strongest ones that they've got right now. It's tip of the spear. Where is it? You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's, and it would almost imply that during that nine month period they would have already recalled them, and the Enterprise would already be destroyed, along with everybody else's ships. So it's it to me there's just like a it's it's just a little jarring for the inconsistencies between what everything is going on. So it's a little frustrating for me. Um, the other things like it was just too canon tough i think it just really jacked with cannon too much like and it's little things like they were discovery had their shields raised and the vulcan ship that was approaching them had their shields raised and they still managed to beam aboard the ship and uh i mean you could say that they had the shield frequencies and that's why they were able to do it but they didn't really touch on that and and i, I just think that the writers just didn't care and they forgot uh, to be honest um and then you got this whole thing where they are locking the Terran Empire's existence up, like all the knowledge. Yeah, okay, you could do that. You could take all the files, but then you have like 100, 200 people, or however the hell many people are on Discovery. We don't, I don't even think we really know, but uh, they're not going to be able to keep the gaggler up forever. You know, eventually things are going to get uh, leaked, and this level of conflict doesn't jive well with how much the Federation has dealt with the Klingons. I know I'm kind of going on a tirade here, but... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually writing notes because I have some points that... Well, I, so to very me, it's just very rough. <laughs> and then, overall, like I was just not jiving with that stuff. And then the nail in the coffin for me with this episode was at the end, when they awkwardly introduced Emperor Giorgio as Captain Philippa Giorgio. And it's like... Where the, I didn't quite understand. It's like there are several people, at least a dozen people, that have seen Giorgio walking around with the, you know, as she, like the guys inside the transporter room. There was at least two other guys in the transporter room that saw her beam in, you know. So this whole thing was like, are you just trying to trick them, or are you saying like, this is Captain Philip or Giorgio? wink you know what i mean like and let the record reflect that this is who this person is but everybody knows so I, it was just really weird i was just like why even bother to try to hide it like i don't know it was just fuck it was just really weird like why did she even need to be there why does she even need to be on the bridge like i understand she caught she wanted to get her freedom and i get that but okay yeah sure here's a shuttlecraft and here's some supplies and some latinum and you know there's the way there's the fucking door like you don't need to give her a uniform and put her in charge of the discovery like that was just really like what what could she possibly provide to them they have the spores they already have everything ready to go for the mycelial network they know where fucking chronos is and stamets has the ability to map out exactly where to jump so why does she need to be there so that's that was just a lot for me but anyways i'm done now that was all the things i hated sorry <laughs> I was going to say, didn't didn't they um, didn't she have a discussion with um, was it Sarah about uh, how what she told Burnham was only going to um, you know ter temporarily give them the upper edge? 
Um, well, there's an impl- there, there's definitely an implication that um, she thinks Burnham's not not um, scrupulous enough or whatever to do what must be done. I mean, there's some kind of bizarre thing, and in the and in the uh, trailer for the next episode, you get a hint of that as well because Burnham's arguing with Admiral Cornwall about uh, Federation ideals and you know and you know and stuff like that. So, I think that like. I think that like the <laughs> all your points are actually excellent, um, Nick, because I'm like, oh yeah, there's like all these like incongruities there, which we still can't like for sure. Sh- I can't really seriously know until the the finale what they're gonna do. But um, one speculation that I have about Captain Giorgio is that maybe she kind of put them in a corner, so to speak. You know, we and maybe this wasn't illustrated. Uh, as well as it could have been but I got the impression that she was like you know Sarek's like don't you know in that little dialogue scene between she and Sarek where they're like uh, you know having a pissing contest about which Burnham is 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 better in the beginning which I thought was really funny um Sarek's like the intel you already provided is good enough like we're we're good to go thanks right and then she she's and that's when she kind of drops this other kind of hint. And I think she's, that's why she's the empress. I mean, she's pretty nefarious, right? So she's playing Sarek in a way and she, she has some design or, or thing that oh, I think yeah. she wants, yeah, she wants to do. But I think she probably said the only, when she said freedom, like I want my freedom, I think she probably was like, I want to command this mission. That's how you can prove to me that the Federation is um you know i wish she said it on camera it would have been a lot better because then we know her motive a little bit more but it seems like a lot a logical thing is that sarah had to go that's why he was like so like kind of um serious about it and he's like i have to get back to vulcan to talk to you know to confer about it because she probably said something that like he was like oh shit like this is like a deal with the devil type of thing you know yeah um that's the only thing i can think of but who knows like we don't know because it wasn't on screen you know like (laughs) here's the here's the thing and uh these the writers of discovery they're not very clever i i think i've pretty much i think as a group we've pretty much nailed almost all of their little uh little hidden bits of information and so they shared with us three things in this episode that imply exactly what's going to happen number one when they had the uh the image of chronos uh they said that chronos is essentially a planet full of caverns and a bunch of active and inactive volcanoes yeah then she says chronos when they cut later she says chronos is a blackened crater in my universe right and then she says, Burnham is not capable in any universe capable of stomaching exactly what's going to happen. So what's happening is the targets that they're scanning for are not military targets, or they may be, um, but the intention is that they're going to activate all of the volcanoes, the volcanoes. volcanoes and essentially destroy Kronos and every living being on it. That's going to be the moral conundrum. I think that Sarek went back to not only uh, get approval for that, but to also, I think, rally... Um, resources for essentially the potential of a massive humanitarian thing because now you're going to have a bazillion number of Klingon uh, refugees. Uh, I do think that's where he went to go do that. Um, I have a strong feeling that you're right about this one. Um, that's Those are really compelling um, compelling points. Um, but I, I have to say, like, you know, and I definitely, I definitely think that, like, you know, 
I, I think that like something happens between the writing and the actual production because the the show does feel like it's missing so many uh, right. things. You know what I mean? So like, um, you know, are as far as the writers being clever, I think they definitely would be clever to hire you. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's it's they're not they're not super subtle. Things that I definitely prepared. didn't. Well, I mean, right. I mean, I don't know. I get all involved. I get I get too emo. I think, but I didn't catch that at all. So that was great, great thing to point out. But <laughs> did, you, did either of you see the them making Emperor Georgie the captain? Did Did you see that coming? No. I, I didn't see that coming, but I, I like the irony of it because it, in a way it's like, be careful of what you wish for because we were all like, when we met at the Captain Prime timeline, Captain Georgiou, we were all like, oh, why did she die so soon? That would have been such a cool show to have her on. And then, of course, you know, here we get we, we get our wish, in it, so to speak, where it's like, oh, well, you want a Captain Georgiou? Well, here's the, uh, the, the one you're getting. <laughs> so I thought it's ironic. I I think that uh, I I hated the fact that they brought her in as Captain Giorgio. I really did. Um, also, her haircut looks the same as it did in the pilot episode, and there's no way that Emperor Giorgio's <laughs> hair would look like that. What do they replicate a wig or something? I don't know. Uh, well, no, you saw in Star Trek: The Next Generation they have like a wand that can grow your hair or like, right, right, or, like right. or like change the color. Unless you're, no, unless you're Jean-Luc Picard, in which case <laughs> the only bald guy is, in Star Trek. Yeah, but it is, but it is. There is a problem though because I think like you bring up a point that like you know. Would the Federation actually get involved with a deal like like are they so desperate, you know, with the twenty yeah. percent Federation space with the one third fleet loss and like you know, and like I agree with you, like twenty percent doesn't seem like a lot, but what if that territory happens to be very strategic territory? So what if like that twenty percent of ter of the territory that's been taken constitutes say like 60 percent of the federation's defenses or defensive capabilities so there's like there's like possibly you know something but even given all that like let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say that like yeah the federation's pretty screwed here it does it justify like the course of action that that they seem to be doing and and like i forgot about the the tech in the uh, transporter room you know it's one thing to say uh, this is classified. Don't speak about it to anyone. But like now, it's like this kid in the transport room must have a di- is going to have a dilemma. Like he's going to be like, "Oh crap!" Like that's the mirror universe uh, emperor lady. <laughs> like it, it's right. not Georgia. Like, like he knows that they're lying. You know, it's like right, right. It's not like they can play anything off there. So it's very. Uh... So obviously the next episode is going to involve the destruction of Kronos with the murder of billions of innocent Klingons, men, women, and children. Um, I like the fact that we are now at the point where nine months later, or I guess a year and nine months later, after Burnham's mutiny, which her whole objective there was, we've got to do anything and everything in order to stave off a war and protect the the federation and philippa georgio was like no that's not federation values we don't fire first we've got to do diplomatic 
horse action. And we've come full circle now where <laughs> she's on the defense of Federation value and Admiral Corval is like, nah, fuck him, let's blow him right to hell, you know? <laughs> Which, I, yeah, it's you like, know? and I really like Admiral Cornwall. I don't want her to be that character, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I actually like her I like character her too. a lot. I like yeah. her too. I, I like her, I, I like her a, a lot. And, uh, uh, I, I think she's a great character to have on the show. Um, but yeah, again, that's that's what that's why it's like, it's like they're literally having a dilemma in the writers' room. I'm speculating here, but they want it to be like dire circumstances that the Federation's on its last leg. They're gonna, everyone's gonna die if we don't do this mission. But at the same time, though, someone's in the back saying, "Well, you know, actually, during this time, there's no recorded history of this event. Earth's never been invaded before." And we can't actually do that. Um, and actually, the Constitution-class ships are still doing their five-year missions. So it can't be that bad because they wouldn't have recalled them. So, you know, it's it's not that bad. And every other time that this kind of stuff has ever happened in Star Trek, and I don't think everything needs to repeat themselves, but the fact that they're ignoring it again, I think, is just lazy on their part. But every other time that either the Klingons or other races get involved with a massive war, there's always two or three other factions pulling strings and doing shit in the backgrounds, a.k.a. the doggone Romulans. Where are the Romulans? The Romulans are on the border edge of Klingon and Federation space. And you best goddamn believe that they are <laughs> well aware of what's going on and the fact that the Federation's on its last leg. And you're going to tell me the Romulans are not invested in any of that information? I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy I, it. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to agree with you. I, see, I, this is great that we're talking about it because... I what one thing I didn't think about was okay so you know new Star Trek show uh, Star Trek Discovery for for what it for what it is I'm 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 more soft to it now than I was in the beginning in the beginning I I didn't know if I was going to make it to uh, <laughs> to the end of the season <laughs> but but what I will say is that um, you know the show does this a lot where you know like you'll you'll hear about a ship approaching with shields up ready to fire but you never actually see the other ship it's a very isolated show and i think that's a mistake on the part of the producers and the writers because here we have an opportunity as you said like how neat would it have been if discovery like just like had a few more scenes where they showed constitution ships at the front lines like that would be neat to see like an actual like battle and even if it's not the enterprise at least you're like hey you know and and if you don't want to like spend the money to like do a whole sequence like have a view screen moment like where you see the the battle from like remote sensors but you're not you know you're not so you don't have to spend the crazy money but at least it's like a nice little touch that just expands the 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 world a little more and and expands our knowledge of it and like our understanding of it and so i do i do agree with that a hundred percent like i think this is definitely a fault on the part of the production team and you know again i'm not on that production team so i can only say this like in, you know with the mo- with the most compassion possible for you writers but <laughs> but yes like that's like that's definitely like something that that is evident like you, you know as far as a flaw what do you think rob um I, th- I don't know i have a bit more faith in them i think i think they know what they're doing but then maybe that's because I don't know as, as much as you guys about the <laughs> canon and history. But, like, you know, every, at the beginning, there was... People went crazy over Lorca, you know. <clears throat> that's not Starfleet, you know, that's not not Star Trek. And and it 
they were right. <laughs> he wasn't, and they, they, the writers worked that out. They, they knew that, that where they were going with that. So, I don't know. Maybe all these inconsistencies, maybe, or some of them at least. I mean, I'm sure some of them are mistakes, but I, th- I think they, they, they know where they're going. I, th- I think they're cleverer than we, we're giving them credit for. I mean, there's not really when you look at the show. There's not really a lot of canon inconsistencies per se outside of the visual canon, like in terms of like what your expectations are of what things will look like. Because you can't deny that it is bizarre that the choices that the production team made of how to even show Klingon ships is 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 outside of our expectations and even what's established, like expectations that are from an established source like enterprise establishes a look right tos has a look and i'm not saying you have to make it look like tos i agree with the updating of visual effects and things like that but make it look familiar don't make it so alien like i think that they got the 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 starfleet ships okay like i'm i can i can you know like reconcile with that like i don't mind that it's a blade nacelle versus a a tubular nacelle or like you know or things like that like i'm okay with those kinds of things but like nothing on the klingon side looks like klingon stuff it looks like you know i don't know (laughs) i I wonder why i wonder what what it is that makes some people not worry about or not not care about that so much well it's the story i think that i think like people watch for different reasons like yeah i think that like uh some some audience members uh don't really yeah and it also depends on on how much star trek you've seen like you know if this is your first star trek you're probably blown away and thinking who are these crazy people that are talking about all this minutiae that like like, doesn't really matter you know what i mean but if this is not your first star trek rodeo there are questions that come up and i think it's healthy to have those questions and talk about them and you know wonder how is this gonna resolve you know because it's a valid i think it's a valid thing you know Hmm. I, I think it's it depends on who you're having the conversation with really is what it boils down to um ultimately like despite these kinds of incongruities like my opinion is that um overall discovery is doing a great thing by bringing star trek back on tv i think that like uh you know for, as far as my expectations of star trek go maybe they are a little higher than um what the writers think is fair <laughs> you know or the, or the producers yeah. think it's is fair um but the, they're still my expectations and i and i do i do yeah. think that you know they're important to express mm-hmm. um but but as far as like you know uh expressing values that are positive um you know uh showing showcasing um dilemmas that are current um and uh exposing us to um uh science and science fiction ideas star trek discovery is doing it it's doing it like in a different way than i'm used to but it is doing it and you can see that is evident here like uh i mean just just to take the science example like how cool was that scene with the the sport even though it doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) like (laughs) it's still a really neat way to convey you know what it looks like to terraform a planet or to like you know uh at, at this time you know what i mean oh, like so you mean, you mean uh 
Genesis device version one. Sure, exactly. Like it's <laughs> not clever. <laughs> it was not clever. And, and, and... But I, but I think from the perspective of of like showing you know something, I, I so this is the thing that like Sean and I talk about a lot. It's like Discovery so far has been such a dry well from what like I expected from Star Trek that when they do something like really cool, it's like I'm like. <laughs> like thank you right like, I'm right so grateful. Yeah. you know it's like so but but i do i do my faith is that like uh there will be a reconciliation between the fans and the fandom and the naysayers and the and the go get and and in season two we're gonna see a much more my hope is that in season two we're going to see a much more defined show a show that like Mm. took a little bit more time to think things out and you know and and a production uh team that is is interested in like getting it right so to speak (laughs) we'll see we, we shall we'll see. I don't think they're going to bother with it. I really think that it's either going to go one of two ways, in my opinion. It's either going to be they're not going to address it at all. And for us Trekkies, it's just, you know, go F yourself. Like, this is what it is now. <laughs> I don't care. Which seems to be most likely. Or that uh, they're going to do a play on words with us and they're going to say, well... You know, we've said that this was prime timeline, and we said that this was 10 years before Kirk and Spock. Um, But what we didn't tell you was that the Star Trek universe that you've all known for 50 years, that wasn't the prime universe. This is the prime universe. (laughs) And at the end of this show, we're going to jump into another mirror universe. That'll be the one that we all recognize and know. And they will dismantle the USS Discovery, erase all record of ever using a spore drive, and they will just simply... assimilate themselves into uh, uh, a society and that'll be the end of it so that sounds so uh, you heard it here first on starfleet boy but... <laughs> i think the um the end of Bastard galactica <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's actually 100 percent where i think that this sh- i think that if they want to be groundbreaking that's where they're going to go. They're going to subvert your expectations and say, well, you know, just like Battlestar Galactica did where they said, yeah, we found Earth and it was a radioactive husk and now we found <laughs> Earth. This is the prime timeline. This is not your I never fault. The other one is the prime. <laughs> this is the prime. And that's why it looks different, you know? And Yeah. So it's... Uh, We'll see, you know. We'll see. So there was two things. (laughs) There was two big things I really want to talk about really quick with you guys. I know you guys are crunching around, so I want to jump onto them. But uh, did anybody else catch all the references to the Borg in this episode? I well, I heard in the Laurel, yeah, in the Laurel scene with Cornwall, um, she she says something along the lines of, and I, I you know, you'll ha- maybe you know the quote better, but is that the scene you're talking about where she's like, so the, in the Laurel scene, mm-hmm. in the Sarek and uh, uh, Giorgio scene, and then oh. also in the Ash Tyler and Burnham scene, where she says we have to adapt and overcome, and we have to adapt to our surroundings, and there was literally the words, <laughs> the phrase adapt to overcome, adapt and assimilation. 
um, were used multiple times throughout the entire episode. And I know we talked about two or three episodes ago. Um, I think it was me and Sean that were getting into that conversation about how the Federation shares such large similarities to that of the Borg. So I just thought it was really kind of interesting. All I could th- kept thinking about when I was hearing the, these dialogue words being thrown out, I'm like, these guys are just sitting here watching this podcast thing and they're just writing down the notes. <laughs> uh, do you guys think that was at all? Do you guys think that, that that's something that uh, they were, they were subvert, you know, subconsciously trying to implant that idea in our heads during the episode? Or what do you guys think? It, it definitely stood out and was noticeable, but I, I actually had this thought. Um, and I think it was something that I, uh, there's some kind of theory that started maybe on Reddit or something, and I think Sean talked about this when we talked about this offline. I'm not sure, but um, it is weird that Lieutenant Detmer has like the implant. Like we've never actually seen humans, or not even just humans, but Federation citizens embrace that kind of augmentation before. And we've definitely never seen like you know the Daft Punk robot in the in the pilot which i wish she was still around or he was still around like that i really like miss that robot but it's also unusual because we never saw robots in in star trek uh before and we've never seen like augmented humans like ariam is so there that's like the thing that kind of uh, uh, again an additional thing that irks you where, where you're like this isn't right and so i wonder if there's like a purpose to that and like i wonder um the theory that i'm referencing is that what if this iteration of you know the prime timeline is the origins of the Borg somehow, but who knows? <laughs> yes. Yes. Michael Burnham is the original Borg queen. Queen. <laughs> that's pretty meaty. Oh my gosh, that's pretty meaty stuff. Wow. Talk right. about drama. <laughs> I, did, I, I did see that and um, one scene that I really liked uh, uh you know, up until now, like I've I've been seeing that the show, te- like I've been at least sensing that the show is trying to be sympathetic uh, towards the Klingons in some way, even if it's just to say that, like, you know, because I think like all along they've been saying like you're gonna see Kl- Klingons like you've never seen them before, and so you know there's this whole sad story about like you know these people that are devoted to Tukovma and like their whole tale, but I think in this episode that was like something that i really needed as an as a viewer was what cornwall says and she's just like your messiah was like a baffling idiot thing i wanted to get your guys's input on was because we talked about that before on several past episodes where i i personally was like adamantly saying listen they need to pan out this klingon storyline what the hell are they doing what's going on with the klingons what's laurel and vox plan and it turns out that they didn't have a plan <laughs> you know that they were and it actually and it, and it actually really worked because it wasn't poor writing it was actually the characters themselves were just desperate they were they were in love they were lonely they felt like their messiah had gone and they didn't they were just kids when you think about it that way they were just young ideological klingon kids that were just trying totally to misled yeah yeah they were just misled and they were just trying to keep to the word of, of Tacoma and, and try to bring people back to his house and when she said that she was like well we're going to get this as a discovery and we were going to use that to rally more people to Tacoma's house like that doesn't even make any sense but it's not poor writing the way it was presented it was these are just 
misguided youths that just don't understand really what's going on. And I actually thought that that scene and that revelation really worked great. I was actually, my expectations were completely subverted there because I thought there was going to be this master plan, but it was just a bunch of idiot Klingon kids, you know, Klingon teenagers that don't know what the hell they're doing. And it worked. Yeah. I thought it worked really well. It works because it's so... Well, I agree. It works because it feels so real. It feels like something that like we're seeing a lot with um, any kind of fundamental list ideals out there in the world today um the people who are actually doing the damage and like you know um uh the the suicide bombers that kind of thing are innocent and very naive and also very like you know hopeful youths you know like right or desperate right. youth i should say that have nothing nothing uh going for them anymore and so like yeah i think you're right that it works it works completely on 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 that level um, but it's not like what you expected. <laughs> it's not. It's not. What do you think, Rob? So do you think that there's no... Um, uh, Voke is, is completely gone. There's no... You don't think there's any trace of him left. It's just that one of the... I think one of the medics, or one of the... <clears throat> I don't know if she's the chief medical officer, but she was saying that Saru was asking her, like, is he Klingon, is he human? And she, she says he's kind of both or neither. Um... And and Lorel seems she's she's really smart. Like, I'd, she, could she not have, you know, some kind of master plan up her sleeve, and this is all part of it? And perhaps she's lulling them into a false sense of security. Or am I way off? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, uh, I would say that it's very possible. Um, I think that they are going to play on the Ash Tyler Vox stuff a little bit more. I don't think it's why would, why would Lorel, um, you know, she uses those weird things to bring um, <laughs> Tyler back. Why would, why would she do that? What, what's in it for her? She doesn't seem like someone that gives gives things away freely unless she's getting something back. Um, I think, I think that I think the situation there um, was directly related to the fact that she was in love with Fock and he was oh. in pain and he was essentially already gone. Um, that's the way I wrote that up. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, I think that the ultimately like um you know uh it's kind of, it is baffling I can't see the end game with with Vok Tyler but um I think that I have to say that like you know she did suppress him because she was in love with them like I I definitely think that's the I think he's like I think she probably just like you know and it's probably something that like she doesn't expect to ever undo like she's like this as far as she's concerned, he is dead, and maybe that's why she did she did that that you know death knell at the end or whatever. Um, the more that we're talking about it, the more I think that like in next week's episode, you know, yeah, uh, Emperor Georgiou is going to have this plan to incinerate the surface of uh, Kronos, but I do think that it's going to be thwarted because um, you know again like in it. You know, if this is the prime timeline, then Kronos isn't gone until much later, so it can't, you know, it can't happen or whatever. <laughs> that's that's one thing. Um, but you know, because that would create like a huge dilemma. But I think that like also, um, the more that we're talking, that it does seem likely that a. I think Rob, you said it um, that Tyler is gonna, or was it? you nick <laughs> that tyler's gonna have to he's gonna sacrifice himself in some kind of heroic gesture and that'll yeah. be the and maybe that's the heroic gesture is maybe he'll stop the 
cascading failure, or the cascading effect that causes the volcanoes to explode. And so maybe it'll be just enough damage, like Kronos won't be incinerated, but like maybe the process gets started and it's enough to send a message for the Klingons to come home. And now they're like, well, maybe the Federation's willing to go further than we thought they were, you know, in terms of in terms of that. So everybody so wins. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I do think that um, I hope, I don't think, because I do think that the show is going to be always, of course, more drama. But I hope that we do a battle of, a victory of ideologies and that we don't have a sequence where we see a slow motion Ash Tyler running down a corridor <laughs> or explosions and volcano shit happening. You know, I, I hope that it's a battle of, a, a battle of ideologies because I honestly do believe based off of the fact that they are operating on such a level of terroristic activities, insurgent level activities that destroying Kronos will only embolden the other houses and cause them to be even more violent towards the Federation and um, I think that's the opposite of what we kind of expect from that situation so I would imagine I'm kind of what I'm hoping for is that we have a situation where it's like listen we had the opportunity to blow your whole planet up and we didn't we didn't do it so why don't you think about that and because the whole ideology is right now, and as they've alluded to in this last episode that we just talked about, is that you know the Klingons are afraid of what the of uh, the Federation represents, which is assimilation of the culture, loss of the culture, loss of what it means to be a Klingon, and to sit there and say, well, we could have ended your entire existence, you know, in, in history on this planet, and we didn't do it. And I think I that, that may cause a season fire. That I would love to see. Yeah, I would love that. to see that being the victory. That's the victory. That Cornwall, even that that we uh, uh, go against the Terran Empire, Empress Giorgio's idea of just subjugate them and destroy their homes, and that we stand up for our ideals, and that's what wins. That's what I would like to see. I like that's, it too. That's a Starfleet <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> that is totally a Starfleet thing, yeah. I have a question for you, gentlemen. What did you think of Captain Saru for the limited time that we had him? And would you, you know, when all this settles down, um, is Captain Saru someone that you would accept uh, as a viewer? Or would you like to see the idea of maybe a new captain? Because I don't think Giorgio is going to last. She's listed as a guest star on the credits. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to get her next season. Yeah, she's done. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, think, you know, what do you think? Yeah. Do you want the um, the quick answer? <laughs> no, t- I mean, you, we have yeah. a little more time. Go ahead. When you said about um, Captain Sarah, would, would, yeah. would I want him? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's awesome. He's um, the, the the way he's grown um, has been really impressive. Um, you know, he inspires his crewmates. Um, you know, he's measured, um, but but he'll he'll do what. He needs to do to get you know to, to get you know he does what he needs to do to get things done. Um, yeah, he's caring, he's compassionate. I think he's yeah, I think he's kind of the ideal captain, really. Yeah, <laughs> and Doug, like Jones, Doug Jones plays him so well. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely want him as. I just assumed that Cornwell was going to make him captain. Um, yeah, so I was a bit shocked when they brought George out. 
Well, that was a... Yeah, I, <laughs> I would say that uh, part of my annoyance with the end of them trying to this whole subterfuge of here's Philippa Giorgio uh, was also the fact that uh, Saru's not in the captain's chair. And I was actually excited because it was a very key moment when Cornwall walks out of the, the captain's ready room and Saru goes to get up, and she like motions she for like, him to stay seated. Yeah. Oh, I know I'm like, guy. yeah, because he's the fucking <laughs> And then she's like, and here's Philip at Giorgio, and I'm like, what? Like you're sidelining my boy? Like, yeah, it's BS. They give him a lot. Of... <laughs> have you they... have you have you read um, Desperate Hours? Yeah. No, have no. you read it? Yeah. Oh. oh, oh. Uh, non-spoiler or spoiler it doesn't matter like review real quick like two seconds <laughs> thumbs up thumbs yeah. down oh, it's, it's really good it's really good okay it's, cool like, it's it's the bit before discovery basically um oh, okay but um yeah it's just the, the fact that <laughs> poor Saru gets overlooked again <laughs> it's um yeah, it must be really frustrating for him. He's like, I've done all of this, and you're yeah. still not going to make me captain. Like, but, what I mean, the hell does a Kelpian have to do? <laughs> a lot, apparently, because I like personally, I was really annoyed with this character in the beginning. So I feel like really like one of those people that are. If I, I was definitely not on Team Saru before, but I'm on Team Saru now. Um, but I really like the moments that they gave him in this episode, like when Admiral Cornwall can't think for that moment when they discovered that yeah. like um starbase one uh was was taken yeah, and every all eighty thousand people yeah. appeared to have been killed or whatever but like he's the one who kind of goes you know detmer or no uh, yeah detmer you know go to warp right now you know and mm-hmm. so he still has a cool head uh in that situation i like that like as soon as um he doesn't waste any time like em- empress george emperor georgiou is like you know taunting him and he's just like transport her immediately to her quarters <laughs> you know it's like he's just like okay right. i don't have time for this so that was like a good moment uh another touching moment in the episode uh, aside from the tilly scene was the compassion that saru showed to tyler i think that got me yeah. to feel a lot more comfortable um with tyler uh as a you know because you know being nervous about him or whatever but like in that scene you know not only it's a great scene because we established that you know tyler is genuinely like he remembers everything he can access vokes memories as though they're like this kind of like imagined or distant thing and he's willing to help so like what more can you ask for you know if he's like uh still up to no good it's gonna be like harder i think it's gonna be harder for him to execute anything because now he's you know being watched a little bit more closely but saru's reaction to him in that scene where he's like i don't see any evidence of vote before me and while i can't technically which i think is the right thing give you your privileges back i do give you the freedom to to you know, go about your day and discover who you are and, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. I thought, right. I that, thought that was really interesting compared to uh, Saru and um, Tilly, their reaction to Tyler compared to Burnham and Stanitz. But it, I was, that was one of my questions that I was going to ask you. Is it fair how <clears throat> uh, Burnham and Stamets treat Tyler? Because uh, maybe I'm a bit naive, but I'm seeing Tyler as he's a victim too, but Burnham and um, Stamets treat him like he's the one that's committed the crime when he's been abused, tortured, um, 
Yeah, so is, is it uh, fair the way they treat him, do you think? Fair? No, but human? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's just... Yeah. I, I actually think that the fact that, you know, the fact that if this was a TNG episode, like, Picard would have had a fantastic speech at the end about how he was mm-hmm. a victim too and we need to look past all the knives, <laughs> you know, and like into the next episode it would have been forgotten about, you know, but that's not human. No, right. that's no. not relatable. That's true. That's you true. know, that's not that's not connecting. Um, and I and I love a good card speech. Don't get me wrong, but that's not you, relatable. That's not. You, you definitely have would to card speech now. You have to make the card <laughs> speech. <laughs> that's, <isn't it>? that's right. <laughs> and and Rob, you're not naive. That's you're just wrong. optimistic. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I had to do it. More more onto your point. It was. It's okay. <laughs> um, I, I agree with Nick on that. I think it is very human. And also, I think it's important to show this because it's like, um, essentially, like, it's hard to look past the person, the physical form that killed your the love of your life, as well as the person who just tried to kill you, that you were the, that was your lover. So while Tilly and Saru did the right thing, I don't think that like Burnham and and um, and uh, and Stamets are being unfair. I think that in fact, I I was surprised with Stamets's reaction, where you know he he's like I I, I would have like wanted to kill this guy, <laughs> you know, and yeah, he does and, and, and like. He shows he him some kindness when he, yeah, he says about, um, you know, maybe there is some human left in right. you, and I think that's yeah. that's like something like at, at least Damits in a way he's saying is like I in his own way he's saying I understand, and then even Burnham is like you know she she could have gotten into a big argument with him because I think you know Tyler obviously he's a little. Um, you know he's going through a lot of shit and i do agree that it's like he is a victim in some way you know albeit tyler is voke <laughs> voke went into it you know understanding what happened and so tyler yes tyler is the true victim but it's tragic because there's no way to get true tyler back the real person that was tyler is gone and that's what he's saying in that scene he's like who is tyler anymore i don't even know you know what i mean like but then Burnham's like, listen, it's really difficult to let you go. And she kind of gives him a moment there, too. She's like, I have to do this. Like, she needs to focus right. on her own redemption, on her own, like, journey. And I, I loved it. I thought that was great. <laughs> and what did you what did you think of, um, I know we've talked a lot about her, Admiral Cornwell in this episode. Were you glad to see her back? Because I was, I was really glad to see her back. She's, I was really glad to see her back. Yeah, um, and she's definitely going to be the one that's going to reinstate Burnham's rank in Starfleet uh, either at the end of this season or the beginning. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I loved seeing her back. So I was disappointed with her decision (laughs) Uh, with with Empress Giorgio, but I I was glad to see her back. Right. Well, that's that's why I say that she's going to be the one that. Burnham's going to be the one that pulls her back from the edge yeah. of doing the, whatever it is that the Empress wants to do, and then that's how Cornwall oh, is going yeah. to be have her own little redemption character piece in herself of sitting there saying, "You know what? You were right, and you, you, you reminded me of what it was to be a Starfleet <laughs> officer. Here's your, here's your rank back. You, you, you 
Jamoke. <laughs> Jamoke. <laughs> so I love that's. <laughs> I love the um, the bit where um, they're in the like, little conference room and she and she blast um, Lorca's um, what was it the food that he. Can't remember what he has. Oh, little bowl. Uh, his fortune cookies. What's also funny about that is the fortune cookies were in his ready room. So does that mean the bowl moved, or does he have multiple bowls around? <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine. Go with, I like to imagine there. I'm going to go with the multiple bowl theory. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> bowl theory confirmed. He's got fortune cookies. Everywhere in the discovery, and they don't expire <laughs> ever in real life. <laughs> going to be eaten. <laughs> Any other notes from you, gentlemen? Uh, I think that I, I, two things is the mycelial planet, mm-hmm. Genesis Planet version one. Mm-hmm. I think is also canon breaking. Um, and I really am curious to see how they reckon. They're making it harder and harder for them to reconcile the spore drive and mycelium with the rest of Star Trek. Every, yeah, I mean, like the show almost intentionally is making it making these ir- right. irreconcilable differences from what we expect. So we'll I'm, see what I'm that sure. means. we'll see what that means. Um, but the other thing is, is as, as much shit as I've given the uh, the writers in this particular discussion about how not clever I think they are. Um, our four main characters, uh, Saru, Burnham, Stamets, and Tilly, who are essentially our four main characters. Um, I would say all the other characters are plot devices and plot tools. Um, they've all grown. When you look at every one of those characters from the first time that they appeared on screen, they have all grown. Yeah. Considerably grown. Um, and I'm not going to list all of the ones. You guys have watched the episodes. You guys know yeah. what I'm talking about. I'm not going to sit here and bore you guys for 15 minutes listing them. But the fact, I just want to touch on it because the fact that the writers have. I would like you to like make a video about it. But anyway, let's go. How much That's they a request. On? A Starfleet well, Boy request is that you make it because it is a compelling. That is a really good. Go on. Sorry. No, you're right. No, you're, and you're right. I, I, I'm going to make it once I see the episode next week. Uh, I'm going to do a video... Um, a roundup or a recap or something. Pretty much. Uh, basically, it's going to be more of like a, why you should give Discovery a second chance. Because a lot of people stop yeah. watching after episodes four and five. Um, at least that's what I see on comments on my channel. Uh, oh, my fr- I experienced that from friends of mine. Like, of okay. gave up on yeah, it's like, five. yeah. So I'm going to make a video that basically is like in defense of Discovery and why you should give it a second chance. Watch the first season and then make a decision. But uh, but yeah, and in that video, I'm, I'm going to touch on the fact that every one of those main characters has grown considerably. And they've done a great job with making it very subtle um, and having every single act that happens on screen really affect them. I wouldn't even consider Ash Tyler to be a main character. Um, Audible Rail at this point, I think they are just story plot devices uh, for our four main characters. and uh, In a good way. You know, I think it's a good thing. And, yeah, it's uh, neat to see good. how they bubbled up to the surface too, and like, right. we're, yeah, it's really cool. It's a really neat, a neat way of writing. It's It's very good. For sure. So I think for, for I think we pretty much know what's going to happen in this next episode. I think for season two, we're going to see Captain Saru with First Officer Michael Burnham um, and the Discovery uh, 
helping rebuild the lost territory uh, that they had from the Klingon War and working on that. And I think that's where we're going to be. I like getting these. Uh, these. I, I hope we scoop it here on Starfleet. <laughs> for, for the, the seven people that listen, they're going to be like, "That guy was totally right." <laughs> well, so I've been, I, other than the time traveling, which I'm still not sold that they're not going to do time traveling yet. Right. Um, right. Other than that, I've been right on the money. Oh yeah, you've been good. Else. You and so. yeah, I like. I I watch you. Your I listen, and so yeah. Um, Rob, any other notes on the on the episode? Um, other than that, we, we saw um, uh, an Andorian and an Antellarite. In, in, no, that's uh, right. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, in, uh, Star cool. Uniform. That was pretty cool. And What's up no, with the Andorian voice? No, that's cool. <laughs> it is I, like how, I like how pissed off he is. He's definitely angry. The Andorian <laughs> is. is like, we we <laughs> asked the questions. <laughs> yeah, <it was> like... <laughs> I felt like he was going to drop an F bomb when he beamed in. <laughs> but what is yeah. frustrating, though, is that the not to get on a different tangent, but the Andorian makeup looks the same for all three times we've seen an Andorian. I... Yeah, is it the same? <laughs> is it the same guy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, same guy. Were there two admirals? He's an admiral, he's in a rebellion, and he's also part of the He does it all. He gets, he gets around a lot, that Andorian. He does. He does. That Andorian doesn't, doesn't mess around. He's not the, chi- he's not the chimney sweep. Right? No, wait, Nick, are you dog. saying that all Andorians look alike? Is that what you're saying? Just kidding. I'm saying that all Andorians and all Kelpians look alike, because even right. all the three Kelpians that we saw in the all look like Doug Jones. <laughs> Every one of them looks the same. So, just saying. And it's pretty funny and did we um, i can't remember we might have already did we mention the little reference to um archer and, and the enterprise that was nice yeah oh, they've done that yeah, a couple yeah. of times that was great that was perfect cool. loved it yeah that was nice let was very well done let's give this uh episode i have nothing else you guys covered like anything i could have thought of and and blew my mind a little too <laughs> um could <laughs> i guess we could do the episode waiting um so uh nick since you gave the summary you have the priv- the privilege of going last that's a new starfleet boy uh rule that sean uh asked me to establish okay. uh so <laughs> so you get the privilege of going last so um would you like to go first rob or or yeah, would, would you like me to go first? first go ahead let's hear i it. <laughs> think i am um, i'm kind of between a seven and a 7.5 for me because it wasn't as it, yeah like um you were saying nick it's there is a lot of talking and it's there's not much action going on so it's not as um that high octane as some of the other episodes we've had in this second chapter of season one but it is still really really good mainly because of for me admiral cornwell i really like her having her back cool very cool um i am hoping that the the budget breaker uh episode is going to be the next episode so it's going to be just crazy you know we'll see those constitution class starships in battle and we'll see all these like cool things um but for this episode actually i had a higher rating in mind uh when i saw it as opposed to after our discussion and that's not a bad thing i think that's actually a good thing um that's part of why i love uh these uh discussions so i'm gonna give this episode a nine uh, and, and believe it or not, I was going to give it a 10 when we started out. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so this episode gets a 9. Um, uh, not that we need to justify it, but uh, I think for me, it just like 
exposition wise it like really kind of helped me resolve a lot of the season like through dialogue like we got a lot of like you know interesting character follow-ups and like that thing you said about the four main characters kind of bubbling up it's so evident in this episode and it really like kind of stands out and it's it's well well played as well as the i think that like um wrapping up all these relationships right now before we go into the crazy episode to come is a good thing and i did notice that this episode was like three minutes longer than the typical discovery episode so i kind of like yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was 48 minutes yeah so i kind of like that they they um they're playing with the time and stuff like that so yeah overall it's a a really exciting episode for me so nine <laughs> nine okay nine. <laughs> this well, la- last three way. episodes i've been getting <laughs> well, sean messaged us on on twitter and he gave it a oh right on 10, just letting you guys know he gave it a 10 seven out of 10 Oh, seven out of ten. So, okay, yeah. got it. I was like, whoa. He loves the episode. Um, I would say that for me, I'm going to put this episode at a four. Wow. We already knew. You, no spoilers there. You said you didn't like this episode. I, I, I know. I I've covered all the reasons why I didn't like him. And yeah, me, yeah. As a, as, as a stickler for canon and trying to understand how this puzzle, has the, the discovery puzzle piece fits into Star Trek's puzzle as a whole, every episode now... Every episode, they just keep adding like a little extra ticks on the side of the puzzle piece, and it's harder and harder to fit into the small puzzle. Um, it's very so because cool, they're hoping they're like there's enough mysteries that you you can't stop watching. Because <laughs> for sure, for sure. well, now, because like I said earlier, you know the mycelium planet Genesis version one, it's like that does nothing but complicate this even more exponentially more. And oh, we have Empress George. Like, there's just so much stuff that they're just complicating things even more about. Um, but yeah, anyways, very nice, very we'll cool. See. We'll see what's that's up. A, that's a that's a that's <laughs> a that's below a five, which brings the average of the three of us down to somewhere around six. Is that fair, you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Any, obje- any objections? I would, to that? I would yeah. six point five, uh, just yeah. for if you include Sean's rating in there too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. So we'll say six point five for this episode of Star Trek Discovery. I had a really fun time talking about this stuff with you guys, um, hmm. and I am so excited um, to do a. Hopefully, we can get everyone on for the, <laughs> the finale. Well, I think, well, I think um, we need to schedule it. I think we need to get the whole. The whole let's team talk about it. All, yeah, I agree. Let's talk about it offline. Anyways. Um, uh, live long and prosper audience if you made it this far please be sure to like if you liked it uh comment below and uh subscribe and be sure to check out uh ketwalski and the real ketwalski on twitter and also trekkie rob and the trek book club on twitter so uh that's it and everyone else too gary trekker prize and sean from trek on the tube there we go all the <laughs> i've Old done funny. all the good credits and everything like that so <laughs> cheers guys thank you so much <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Like that.